All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us and dropping the gloves. Very excited everyone's here. On a nice Tuesday, two weeks in a row, Tuesday, Thursday, Tim. What do you think of the Tuesday, Thursday com- uh, compared to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Do you like it better or do you like to talk to people more Monday, Wednesday, Friday? I don't like it better. I have so much to say. It's hard to only do it two days a week, you know, so it disrupts my whole routine. So I think mean, we got to get back to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is because you're traveling. You're a jet setter. You're, you're moving and grooving. I'm going nowhere. So I'm not. suitcase. You are. How about I wanted to, um, we want to get a boat. My wife and I totally unrelated to what we we're supposed to talk about. Yeah. And so my wife, um, she's like, okay, let's, let's start looking at boats. We've been poking around the last year or so. We keep having kids. So that puts a halt on the boat talk because you don't want a baby on the boat, but you know, our youngest is one and a half now. So it's like, okay, well maybe we'll do a boat. And I'm like, what if we named the boat suitcase and I could put logos of my NHL teams all over the boat. I thought that would be a great name for a boat suitcase and have logos of my like college AHL teams, NHL teams. It'd be great. And she's like, no, we're not doing that. That's that's silly. We're not doing that. That's not no. She tries to distance herself from my NHL career so much. It's it's hilarious. You should you walk into her house, you would have no idea I play hockey. Let alone the only reason is because I, I throw my hockey bag in the corner after I dry out my gear in front of the fire every Sunday night. It's just like there's no hockey stuff up at all. She's yeah, she's done with hockey. She's done with it. So done with it. So like, as soon as I like undid my skates, my last game in Montreal, she's like, good, burn it all. Let's go move on. She, she, uh, we got stuff to do. She's like, we got to go. It's a, it's over, you know, dreams over big boy. And you know, whatever. So the, the name of the boat is still TBD to be determined. I thought suitcase would have been a good one. Or am I just being silly? Is that a bad name? No, I, I liked it. The logos would have been cool. Right. 
then people would have came up and like, did you play in the NHL? And I would have got to talk about me for a good 40 minutes. Oh yeah. Why, why do you say, Oh, we saw your, your name on your boat. Oh, okay. Is that an, is that an, also so trophy about that. The dash? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that a trophy over there? Oh yeah. I guess I did win the all-star game MVP hockey <laughs> hall of fame. Wow. Very cool. Is your yeah, a picture of the helmet in the hall of fame. I wonder when they'll get rid of that. They got to get rid of it soon. I would imagine. It's been six years now. Has been. There was a time when I had two things in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I had that, and I had my old Houston Arrows jersey. They did an AHL exhibit, and they used one of my jerseys, and it said it, John Scott's jersey from the Houston Arrows circa 2005 or whatever it was. So no big, I was in there twice. You know what I mean? It's not nothing, Tim. It's not nothing. You know what else is not nothing? 30 Genos. 30 gaga ghouls. What's a good Italian word for goals? Uh, Gabagool. That's what I would say. 30 gabagools. Chris Kreider is absolutely filling the back of the net this year. The guy cannot miss. He's a good hockey player, right? He is known for his speed. He is known for his massive power. He's built. He's, he's, he's a brick Brick blank house. That, that's how he's known. What is he? Six foot three, 220 pounds. He skates like the wind. He's never really been known as an elite goal scorer. He, he does fill the net consistently. I would say he averages around 20 to 25 goals a year. He's never hit the 30 mark. Something's changed this year with Chris Kreider. He has, he has found his touch. He's got 30 goals and 43 games. 13 assists. He is leading the NHL in goals. Tim, at the halfway mark, what is going on in New York? I know Chris Kreider. I played with him when I was in New York. I don't, I'm not a fan of him. I don't think he's necessarily the nicest human being in the world. I, I didn't walk away from that interaction being like, this guy's super nice. I walked away from it thinking this guy's really conceited, but he's a good hockey player. And he knows it, which was the problem. He knew he was a good hockey player, and he just kind of walked around like, I'm Chris Kreider. I think, buddy, pump the brakes. He's a first-rounder, 19th overall from the 2009 NHL entry draft, which was known historically as the worst draft ever on the planet Earth. It was it? I don't know. I was making that up. But what do you what do you make of this start to his season? Because 30 goals – in 43 games, leading the NHL, that's quite defeat for a player who's never scratched 30 goals. What's going on? What is he just getting lucky? You watch the Rangers quite a bit, Tim. What's what's happening? Yeah, so you mentioned he's never scored 30 goals before, and he hasn't. Um, and he's been on pace for 30 in the past. Um, you know, a lot of shortened seasons, like last year, he got 20 and 50 games. The year before, 24 and 63. So he, he's touched that rate before. But you're talking about 30 goals in 43 games. That's a 57-goal pace, which he's never even sniffed half of that before. So it's really, really crazy to think about, like, the, the level of production. And I, I'm wondering, like, is is this when, – when a player breaks out like this, there's usually a combination of multiple factors. You can't always point to one thing and say, oh, he worked on this, he got that opportunity, now he's running with it. There's a little bit of puck luck happening where things just sort of go your way. We see it all the time. Um Obviously, now he's got some confidence and swagger. It sounds like he was already that type of guy anyway. Um, but when you're scoring like that, it, it elevates even further. But I think a lot of it has to do with who he's playing with. He's on the top line for the Rangers. Not only does he have Adam Fox dishing from the back end, but he's playing with the two of the best players in the world, with Zabanajad 
on the center and Panarin on the other wing. And those guys are not only great goal scorers, but they're elite playmakers as well. So Kreider's not only like he's gelling with those guys, he's got good chemistry with them. And obviously, I don't know, John, like when you play with guys of that level, it just elevates your game, not just the goal scoring, but everything else, right? It almost makes you work harder because you know if you get to a spot, you, you will get the puck. Whereas if maybe he's playing on a line with some third line guys or second line guys, if he knows he's stepping over the boards and he's playing with a Lafreniere or a Ryan Strom or a Gaudreau, maybe you're not going to get that puck if you hit that spot. But if you step over the boards and you got Zabinajad and Panarin, it's like there's a pretty good chance if I get by this defenseman and it's a three-on-two or a two-on-one and I create some space, I'm going to get the puck. And that's what we're seeing now. He 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 does get a lot of high scoring chances every single year, just based on his speed. He is finishing at an exceptional 21% clip this year, his shooting percentage, which is, which is very good. He historically is around the 14% mark. He's almost, he's 21.9%. He scores. So he takes 10 shots. He scores two of them. That's a pretty good rate for a hockey player at this stage, especially he's got a good sample size. He's got 10 years into the league. So yeah, Panarin's and Benajad definitely help. You work a little harder. You know you're going to get the puck when you get to a spot. <sighs> I've played with good players. I, I've got the opportunity to step over the boards and like play with Joel Thornton, play with uh, you know Pavelski. I've been on the same line with a uh, Patty Kane and Joe Johnny Taves for a couple periods. It is really easy to play with those guys. And I can't imagine being able to create space like a Kreider can because the guy's got wheels for days. It, it's just, he must just be loving every second of it. Like, I can't imagine to know I'm going to the rink and I get to play with Panarin and Zabinajad on the first line. Oh, first power play unit gets called. Guess what? I'm stepping over the boards and it's going to be me, Zabinajad, Ryan Strom, and Adam Fox. And what am I doing? I get to sit in front of the net and tip pucks and get rebounds and pop out to the high slot. I don't even have to touch the puck. I don't have to control it. I don't have to do anything. I'm the trigger man. I'm the guy who cleans up all the slop on the rebounds. That's a very easy job to do. And Kreider, he's doing it well. He's a pest in front of the net. He's an absolute mule. There's no big defenseman really anymore. So when he's 6'3", 220, you're not going to move him out of there. He's going to be the first guy in the forecheck because he's got such powerful legs and he's got wheels, man. So he's, he's, he's putting it all together. When he, when I mentioned him when he came into the league, he, he was very full of himself. He was so self-confident. I think that that hindered him and his development where he thought it was just going to become easy. He's figured out how to play the game. He's got a cannon for a shot. He knows when to release it. He knows when to maybe not release it. When he first came into the league, he was firing pucks from everywhere and it just didn't work for him. Now he's, he's a very mature player. He's only 30 years old, so he's still really young. So he's got a lot of years left in him. So I like this. I think it's exciting. Will I, do I think he's going to be leading the league and scoring at the end of the season? There's a good chance. Honestly, there's a pretty good chance he he tops out at 55. Ovi's done. He's not going to get any more. Stop it. Stop. I did a little digging with him. So he's got how many goals? 27? 29. 29. Guess how many are empty nets? Oh, good question. I don't know. Seven. No, really? So many empty net goals, it's insane. It shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even count. He should get a quarter point for every empty net goal. It's a ridiculous stat. Absolutely. Ridiculous. I don't know if it's seven. I just made that up, but it is some, <laughs> okay. but it is some. He's probably like two. 
No, uh, he's got a few. And I did actually do a little digging on the 2009 draft Kreider was drafted on. It was a pretty good draft. So I take back that previous comment. It went Tavares, Hedman, Duchesne, Kane, Shen, Larson, Kadri. Like there's some pretty legit. Ryan Ellis, you get down, you got Kreider. There's some good Paul Marys in the first round. It was a pretty deep draft. So I, I take back. You know what? Comment. He's got six. I just looked it up. Six See, empty net goals. I told you. What did I say? Seven? Yeah. I knew it was a lot. So if you eliminate those six empty net goals, 23. Just saying. Empty net goal. It's such a useless. I got an empty net goal. Backhand. From my end. Center of the net. Back to back to Kreider. I like it. I think the Rangers are a very dangerous team. I, I, I think he ends the year 57 goals. 55 to 57. If they keep clipping along, if he stays on that line, if he's in the first power play unit and he does not get hurt, which he doesn't usually, he's a very durable player. There's there's nothing stopping him. The Rangers are so, so good on offense, and they have the defenseman who can jump up in the rush, like you said. Imagine if D'Angelo was still on this team, how good they would be. Tim, honestly, though, if you throw him on the back end and you got Lindgren and Fox and Truba just smashing heads, it's such a good team, and he would only make it that much better. But yes, I like. Do you do you think he gets fifty? Uh, no. Why? No. I just it, it, this is just so anomalous. It's hard for him to imagine. Hard for me to imagine him keeping that up for another forty games. I think it's more likely that he slows down a little bit, but he's still going to get forty. Um, but yeah, I think he's more in like low forties than low fifties or mid fifties. Yeah, half of his goals have come on the power play, which is another kind of red flag when you're like, oh, that's you can't really sustain that. That's a lot of power play goals. So we'll see what happens. I I just can't see him slowing down. If you're on that line in the first power play unit, the Rangers are an absolute wagon, as you like to say. Before we move on, one question for you. He's playing, you know, 20 minutes a night with Panarin and Zamanajad. If you got that opportunity, you're playing with those two guys, how many goals you get in a full season? Full season? Yep. 20 to 25. Oh, come on. I, I would maybe give you 10. In a full season? Yeah. 82 games, first power play unit, you would get 10 goals, Tim, in the NHL. I'm I'm not even over exaggerating. Like just on the power play alone, you would pick up some trash every 20 games. Hey, yes, absolutely. And I am much better than you are. You I would get me play. I I've heard I've heard you get hurt every time you step on the ice. You look at something cold and your shoulder goes out of socket. I, uh, I think twenty to twenty five would be my area, and I know that's crazy because I only got five in my career in like two hundred and ninety eight games. I think 20 to 25, if you were to give me the opportunity, because I did play, like I said, a couple shifts with Kaner and Jumbo, almost scored on those shifts. Almost. I believe, I believe that you would almost score a bunch of times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I guess we'll never know. But Kreider, he definitely can finish. The kid's got 30 already. I love it. I'm just happy he's ahead of Ovechkin because, boy, most stupid Washington fans, they're, so, they're the worst. By the way, I'm in Fairfax, Virginia right now, which is like 20 minutes from Washington. So I'm behind enemy lines right now. And everywhere I go, it's just 
the posters, the radio stuff. And I was hanging out with uh, some people from work yesterday, all diehard Caps fans, and I was giving it to them. We watched the game last night. They got shut out by the Vegas Golden Knights. Did not look good. And I was like, yeah, I, there's no way they make it out of the first round. Like, if, if the division wasn't such a train wreck, they could they could potentially not even make the playoffs, but the rest of the teams are just garbage. But well, there's, it, they're there's not no good. way to beat Rangers. There's no way they beat Pittsburgh or Carolina. However, it shakes out. They're, they're done. They started hot. They have a veteran team. They were used to being together. And now look at them. They're, they're absolutely garbage. I, yeah. Luckily, there's no good teams chasing them. Columbus, Jersey, Islanders. The only team who could potentially give them a scare is the Red Wings. But they're still like 13 points behind them. So, they, yeah, they got, they got a big cushion. But, yeah, they're losing first round four straight to the Rangers, to the Penguins, to the Hurricanes, to the Panthers, to the Lightning, to the Leafs, to the Bruins. All of the eight teams in the Eastern Conference that will make the playoffs, Washington, head and shoulders, worse than all of them. Not even, not even close. Yes, Sovi's having a lot of goals. He's having a good season. That's about it. They're still a bad hockey team. Suck on that one, Washington. Keith Yandel. Good story, bad hockey team. Keith's going to break the consecutive NHL game mark on Monday. Current record held by Doug Jarvis. 964 games, Tim. That's 964 consecutive games. Is this the, the best record in the NHL? Will this ever be touched? Or is this one of these records where it's like, kind of a dumpy record and you don't want to have it like winning the lady Bing. It's like, I don't want to win the lady Bing, but I did kind of not a great award to win. When I look at the consecutive games, I think maybe you should have maybe went in the corner a little more. Maybe you should have maybe threw a couple more hits. You should get hurt playing hockey. I think it goes hand in hand with the type of player you are. And especially being a defenseman, I don't think Keith's getting in too many lanes to block shots. He's not going in the corner too hard to pick up a puck in the D zone. Is this indicative of Keith Yandel being a soft defenseman? Or is this indicative of Keith Yandel just being super durable and just battling through injuries? Because I'm sure he's had a couple scratches throughout the years and he's played through it. I just can't seem to get over the fact that he's going to play a thousand games in a row and he hasn't missed one. It's like, come on, man. Do you not get hurt? Do you not like want? I don't know. It's one of these records where I just kind of go, eh, I don't know if I'd want that one. Am I just being too cynical? Yeah, you're a little bit uh, old man. Yeah, I was at cloud going on right now. It's just like he's, I mean, yeah, maybe he's gotten some luck where he's not avoided some major injuries, hadn't had surgery, hasn't had any broken bones, whatever. Like, there's definitely some luck happening there. But you have to believe that for 900 plus games, like, there had to have been a lot of things, a lot of playing through pain, a lot of bumps and scratches along the way that he sucked it up and kept playing and kept going. And And I think uh, he had a great quote where he said when he was a rookie, Ray Whitney, um, not Ryan, Ray Whitney in Arizona said something to him like, hey, every day that you wake up and you're wearing an NHL logo on your jersey is a good day, basically. And he's like, yeah, that's something that I kind of kept to heart. And you can see him now. Like there's a picture of him the other day just uh, – you're picking up pucks after practice with the rookies. Like he just loves being out there. He loves being doing the little things and doesn't take it for granted. So I think, I think it's a great story. I think it's a good story. Have you ever met him or did you interact with him at all? 
Not really. You know, no, no. He's, he's just a good defenseman. So there's, he's one of the guys who's likely to be traded at the deadline, or at least they'll, they'll try to shop him with the flyers being so bad. And there's this funny graphic that NHL network put up the other day. And I meant to post about it, but I forgot, but it's all there. It's all the players that they could trade. Jeru, Ristolainen, Martin Jones, Braun, Keith Yandel, Derek Broussard. And it posts like one little stat about each of them, trying to like picture them in a good light. So like Jeru, 31 points, Ristolainen, 125 hits, Yandel, 13 assists. And you like you actually look at these players. Rasmus Ristolainen is minus twelve on the season. Keith Yandel is minus twenty four, I think. Derek Broussard doesn't. The best thing you can say about Derek Broussard is he's got a plus seven rating. He doesn't put up like any points. Martin Jones letting up three and a half goals a game. It's just it was a funny graphic. I'm like, yeah, this is this is called framing, where you don't let people see the other. You know, you're framing the argument. Um, but I do think Yandel gets traded. There's, there's someone who's going to want that puck moving defenseman, and we've seen what he can do. So I I, I could see him going somewhere. They lost their 11th in a row the other day to the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. And it wasn't even a close game. The Sabres went out and absolutely dominated them. It was just so sad. It's their second 10-game skid this season. What happened to Philadelphia? Why is, is this a case of just trying to roll it back too many times? The players are just sick of being around each other. I don't know. When I look at this team, and we say it every single year, which is so frustrating. They have good players. Yes, they traded out Atkinson for Voracek, but that's a linear that's a linear trade there. You're not really gaining anything. You're not losing anything. They're both really good players, and it has worked out for both teams. Voracek's been really good for Columbus, and Atkinson's been pretty good for Philadelphia. What's going on? Is it the injury bug? You got Giroux, you got Konecki, you got Hayes, you got Couturier, you got Broussard, Atkinson. You have a good team on paper. Van Riemsdyk, he's just been atrocious. JVR has not been good. Then you look on the back end, you traded for Ellis, you bring in Ristolainen, you have Provorov, you got Justin Braun, you have decent defensemen, aforementioned Keith Yandel. Why is it year in and year out? It seems like Philly will have one decent year every five and the other four years. It's just frustrating. We're scratching our head. We don't know what's going on. Is this the GM's fault? Is this Fletcher's fault for even just, should he have just blown it up a few years ago? Get rid of Giroux, get rid of Couturier, get rid of all these guys and just start over again around some young players, Provorov and move on. It seems to me that they've just been trying to make it work with this group the JVR, the Giroux, the Couturiers. You could have Voracek in there, but now Atkinson. What's the definition of insanity? I, no, I see. I have a problem with that. I don't think we can say it's his fault. We were ready to give him the offseason of the of the summer award. We did, the moves that yeah. He made. So, and we were praising him. So, I think he's brought in the pieces. He's made the moves. He's gotten new assets. He's made the team on paper tougher to play against with. Ellis and uh, Atkinson and Reese line. And we thought this was going to be the group to finally take a step forward. So I don't think it's, I think it's on the players. I think there's something in the culture. There's something in the water there and, and they're just not producing the way that they should be. Um, I mean, maybe he swung and missed on a couple of signings. Maybe Reese line wasn't just a product of, of playing for a bad Buffalo team. Maybe he's just not that good. You know, maybe Keith Yandel wasn't going to put up many points at 38 as a puck moving defenseman. Maybe he's just not that good anymore. I don't know but I don't think you can put, put, it, put it all on Fletcher. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's tough. We saw with Toronto, Kyle Dubas goes out and makes all these great moves, and everybody thinks this is, this is going to be the season because they filled all these holes, 
and it just isn't working. But this is the year. This is it. This is a straw that broke the camel back. You have to go out and move every single one of these guys. You need to move Giroux. You need to move JVR. You need to move Konechny. You need to move every single player that you can move if you're the Philadelphia Flyers GM. Get them all out the door. Start fresh. Build your team around Provorov and move on. Like they have no other good, I guess, connect me. I like him a little bit. He's a, he's a very feisty player who does a good job. But other than those two guys, I don't like anybody else on the roster long-term. Who can I like kind that. of build Farabee. Farabee's a good player. You like Farabee? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he's a high-end guy, Joel Farabee, but actually maybe he is. He's a good little player. I'm sorry. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, he's, he's a good little player, but get rid of everybody else. Kevin Hayes, that's the thing. They're locked into all these contracts. Hayes is due $7 million for the next four years. Van Riemsdyk, $7 million for one more year. Atkinson, keep him around. But they're, they're, they have a lot of contracts that they would like to get out from underneath them. But it's time. If you're the GM for the Philadelphia Flyers, Chuck Fletcher, you got to start packaging players, packaging picks, get as much back as you can, and just start all over next year. You got to get some new goaltenders in there or get Carter Hart, some kind of goaltender coach. Cause he is not having a great season. Martin Jones, maybe keep, keep him around. I don't know. It's just not working in Philadelphia. Good for Keith Yandel breaking that record. Very exciting. A lot of big records being surpassed him. Chara pretty neat, pretty neat. All right. You, you uh, actually came across a pretty interesting story. Oh, oh, a random story. Why don't you tell us about them? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Cam Robinson on Twitter. who posted this really nice little tweet about uh, Matt Zuccarello last night about the kind of his journey to the NHL and how kind of unlikely and impressive this whole thing is. So I thought I would share that. So he's a five, eight undersized, obviously forward out of Norway where you don't see a lot of NHL players coming from. Obviously he was undrafted. He moved to the Swedish Hockey League at 21, which is pretty late for a guy to, to break into like an international stage. Um, signed an NHL deal at 23, so he impressed in Sweden. He had his first 20-goal season at 28. So he's in the league for six years before he gets his first 23-goal season, 20-plus goal season. And now at 30, 34, he's over a point per game for the first, pl- for the first time. So pretty impressive. Um, and you, you talked about him before, such an underrated player. And he doesn't always light the lamp, although he's having a good season this year. But when you watch the wild play, you're like, yeah, this guy's good. This is, this is a good, effective player. Uh, the first time I came across Matt's Zuccarello was in the playoffs, 2010-2011. The New York Rangers were vying for a Stanley Cup. They had a very, very, very good hockey team. Brad Richards, Marion Gabrick, Ryan Callahan on the back end, they had Stahl, Girardi, Dan Boyle. Was he there? Danny Boyle. They had oh, Brian Danny. Boyle. They had a lot of good players. Dubinsky. Do- Doobie was there. I call him Doobie. Um, okay. Lungfist okay. was there. They had a lot like Anton Strollman. It was a solid, solid team. Zooks was on the black aces with me. He had just come overseas. He was relatively new to the Rangers. He played half the season that year for him. He did okay. You know, he got, he got 25 points in 42 games for whatever reason, Torts didn't care for him too much. He didn't like the way he, he acted. He didn't like his attitude. Zooks was very low maintenance, very loosey goosey, 
just kind of eccentric almost. I think that was because he was from Norway and his style maybe was a little off. He'd always wear like yellow rain jackets and shorts in the middle of winter and just kind of, he had a, a very strange sense of fashion and Torts didn't like that. Torts liked everybody to dress the same, look the same, act the same, be the same. Very vanilla personalities for, for Torts team. So he was on the Black Aces. I got traded to the Rangers with eight or nine games left in the season, maybe 10 or 11. I can't remember. I remember walking in there. I played the first eight or nine games. Um, Mike Rupp got healthy. Brendan Press got healthy. I got shipped to the Black Aces once playoffs started. And that's where I stayed with Zooks for the first couple of series. And I remember skating with this guy. Long story short, he was unbelievable. The things he would do, the things he was able to do, the way he controlled the puck, the way he was able to just control the ice at that size, and it didn't even look like he was trying. He had such a long stick where he could like really bait you, toe drag you, go around you. He could finish. He could put, put the puck between your triangle. He was such a good hockey player. We would get into these three-on-three three games because we had a few players he would dominate every single game. It would be the assistant coaches, myself, Jeff Wojtka was there, Stu Bickle was there, Matt Zuccarello, a couple other guys. So if a guy was hurt, I remember Gabby skated with us for a couple couple days when he got dinged up. Doobie was with us for a couple games because he got dinged up in the playoffs. Zooks was the best player on the ice. He finally, finally, finally got on the ice the last game they played because we were losing to New Jersey and Torch was scratching his head. They had no answer for Zajac and Parisi and Kovalchuk and those players. They're really taking it to us. He finally put Zooks on the ice for the last game, game six. He plays well, but it just wasn't enough. And we lose in game six in overtime when Zajac, um, shorthanded breakaway, I believe, scored on Lundqvist. And that was the Eastern Conference Finals. But I truly believe, and this is, you know, 10 years past, if Zooks would have been on that team full-time in the playoffs, we would have potentially won the Stanley Cup. The Devils went on to lose four straight to the LA Kings. We had a better team to match up with LA. We were a heavy team. LA was a heavy team. So it, it was a huge mistake by Tortorella not to play Matt Zuccarello in that playoffs because he was so incredibly good. He went on the next year to just have a great season. Actually, sorry. He, he gassed him for a few more years after that. He just never really got on with Tortorella. Finally, Torts left. Zooks broke out, scored 65, 54, 68, 65, and really became the player that he is today because he finally got an opportunity. Then he goes to Dallas for the playoffs, does whatever, and now he's in Minnesota. He's a first-line guy. He's playing really, really well. But it's just, I think it's indicative of giving a player a chance, letting him play his type of game, and letting him flourish. He, He wasn't able to do that in New York. He was kind of pigeonholed into a third and fourth line guy, and he wanted to you know, be a, a first line guy. That was him. He's a very creative player. He likes to just have fun on the ice. He's just such a good guy. I remember off the ice, we'd go out during the, you know, playoffs and have some drinks and stuff. And he's just a fun, awesome guy. If there's a handful of guys that I could pick to go and have beers with, Matt Zuccarello would be one of them. He's just a good dude, like a really down to earth, fun, fun cat. So I don't know that got long winded quickly, but he's a good long story short or long story longer. He's a really good player. He's 34 now. He'll be in the league till he's 38, 39, and he'll still be very productive until he leaves. He's he's just really, really good. That's great. That's great. And he's story. heavy too. He's like five foot eight, but you think he's not like the skinny guy. He's got a little gut on him. He's he's got he's got to be close to 200 pounds. I would say he's five. If he's five eight, he's like 190, 185, 190. And for that size, that's pretty heavy. Usually the average hockey player is six foot 200. So I don't know. Matt Zuccarello, check it out. Good, good little hockey player. You know why he's got a little gut on him, Tim? 
Why? Because he uses DoorDash. He listens to this show and he knows if he uses promo code GlovesDD or GlovesDDUS, depending mm-hmm. on if he's in the USA or Canada, he gets a little discount on his DoorDash order. And you can too. You could be just like Matt Zuccarello. Go to DoorDash, fire it up on your phone, fire it up on the computer, your tablet, wherever you get your internet from these days. Tell him we sent you. Use promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS if you're in the USA, and get yourself some food. Have you done it yet since you've been in Virginia, Tim, or is that tonight's dinner? You're going to get to DoorDash tonight. Probably tonight. I've only been here for about a day, so I can see it tonight or tomorrow. I like that. I use it. Tim uses it. You should use it, too. It's a good company. It's a no-brainer. Get your food. Get a discount. 25% off. Free delivery the first time you get it. It's just it's a win-win-win. I love food. You love food. Everybody loves food, especially Matt Zuccarello loves food. That guy loves everything. Put it in front of him. He's going to eat it. It doesn't matter what it is. He's going to gobble it up. He's a big little chubby little bunny. Moving on. Trade rumors are heating up, Tim. And our friend, friend of the show, friend of the network, Frank Saravalli, has got some nuggets. What did he tweet out the other day? He tweeted out that um, there's a lot of interest for following the Canucks, who we know are had a great little story for a while, but are still you know on the outside looking in on the playoff picture. And they've got some contracts and players that people are sniffing around. The, one of the big ones is JT Miller. So he said one of the other three teams that I've heard that are interested in JT Miller are the Boston Bruins, the Minnesota Wild, and the Calgary Flames. Speaking as a Bruins fan, he's exactly what we need. That second line center we've been talking about, he can also play the wing. Um, but he would fit in with any all three of those teams. So he'd be a good addition. I, I would not be surprised if he gets traded uh, next month. Point per game, 12 goals, 27 assists, does absolutely everything right. Absolutely everything right. You wanted this guy. Good on the power play, good on the penalty, penalty kill, finishes checks, good in the locker room. Just what do you mean? He claps his hands. What are you doing? He knows how to chuck them too. He knows how to fight. He knows how to fight. He does everything really, really well. I said earlier this year, he should be in the MVP kind of talk. Maybe that's waned a little bit, but he's a very good player. You put him, you think he would be good on the second line in Boston. That second line has been doing so well with hollow hall and Pasternak. Would you want to mess up that chemistry? I just don't know if I chuck Eric hollow long-term. Like in a long playoff run, I'd rather see him on the third line. Yeah, that's true. I I think Minnesota would be perfect fit for him. Minnesota is a very dangerous team. You throw him on that on that team, you drop Freddie Gaudreau down. Joel Eriksson Ek has been playing well with Greenway and Felino. That's a very dangerous team. If you just all of a sudden plop him on the second line, you still got your first line with Hartman, Kaprizov, and Zuccarello. It's a good team in Minnesota. There, if you put JT Miller in the middle there, just because the defense is so incredibly good with Dumba Spurgeon. Ben Goligoski, you got um, Brodeen, who's going to be coming back soon. So what is what are the Calgary Flames sniffing around for? Go away, Calgary. Going nowhere. That's what I don't like. It's like, don't mortgage your future just because you think you might make the playoffs. It's such a bad move. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. They have no chance of winning the Stanley Cup. The Calgary Flames do. Just go, just don't. Don't do it. It's a bad, bad move if they make a trade right now. Even the Edmonton Oilers, don't sign Evander Kane. Don't do it. Do you think I'm going to pose this question to you? I said at the beginning of the season, it was one of my crazy predictions. Who plays first? Evander Kane? Jack Eichel. When you said it, it sounded crazy. You said Jack Eichel will play before Evander. And this is before he even was scheduled to have the surgery and Evander had just broken news. And I thought you were out of your mind. Who plays first? Answer the question. It's... (laughs) 
It's going to be Eichel now. I think, I think it, well, uh, you know what? They said, I read a report yesterday that said Evander could sign midweek or the, the, um, the whole investigation could be wrapped up midweek this week and he could sign immediately after. So I don't know. I don't know. His agent keeps putting out these stories. It's like, Oh, Vander's going to sign there. Now there's a hundred teams that are interested. It's there's so many teams that want a Vander. It's insane. He's so wanted, but yet he still hasn't signed. He's still under investigation and he's still just a scumbag. So we'll see what happens. I still think Ico will be there. I know his owner's really bullish on him returning this week. Remember he said two weeks from now, he's going to be on the ice. And that's this week. We'll see. I think, you know, mid-February is where he's going to land. And he'll play before Jack uh, or Evander Kane does. Very exciting. What else are we going to talk about, Tim? I want to give a quick shout out to Johnny Gaudreau, who had a four-point game last night. He's got 18 points in his last nine games. So he's a UFA this summer. He's going to be, he's going to be a big ticket this summer, that's for sure. Um, Did the Edmonton Oilers make a mistake? by not listening to me this offseason and trading Johnny Gaudreau for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like I said, they should bring in Johnny Hockey. Everybody thought I was crazy. Oh, the Nuge is the best. He's an Edmonton guy. He's going to be great. He's going to fix his game. It's going to be no problem. Johnny Hockey is bigger and better, not bigger, better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. All, all around game. Very so similar would, sizes. Why would Calgary do that too? Because Johnny struggled. Sutter didn't like him. He, he he had fallen out of favor with Calgary at the end of the season. They had publicly gone to war, both of them. Johnny said something about Sutter. Sutter said something about Johnny. It, it, it wasn't meshing. It wasn't working. So there was talks that he was going to be dealt. And that was Edmonton's chance to swoop in, grab Johnny Hockey. They've seen him so many times being interprovincial rivals. And they made a mistake. Imagine Johnny Hockey and Edmonton right now. They'd be in first place. It'd be insane. It'd be unbelievable. All right, what else, Tim? Yeah, I want to talk about the the Bruins. They they just quickly they lost to Anaheim last night, and Tuka Rask was not great. And Cassidy, the head coach, had some interesting things to say last night. He said about Tuka, he's not where he needs to be. That's evident. We weren't sure he would be. He says he thinks he'll need seven or eight games to find his game. Right now, not where he needs to be. Tuka has played four games. He's two and two. He's let up over four goals a game, four two point four point two nine eight point or point eight four four save percentage. So. Not great. He's, he's looked good at times. He's had, a, he's had at least one good game, but I, I'm not worried yet, only because we know that it takes goals a little longer to adjust. But so far, it's a little scary. So you mean you can't take a year off and then all of a sudden come back in and play in the NHL midway through the season as a goalie? That's strange. That's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is, it's expected. I think Cassidy nailed it right on. We're going to give him seven, ten games, see if he's, you know, back to where he's supposed to be. His body's feeling good. That's the encouraging thing. He's saying he has no signs of... You know, his hip was the issues going side to side. It would lock up on him and grab and pinch. He said, that's gone. So we'll see. But right now, not great. Not great returns. If you're Jeremy Swayman, you're like, come on, man. Get me back up here. Like, this is enough is enough. This guy's a circus. But it's Tuka Rask. He's got the track record. He's got the resume. So you give him a little bit of time. Like we talked about with Washington, Boston's going to make the playoffs. They're going to be fine. They don't need to push it. They let Tuca have a couple games, have a couple games off, find his rhythm, find the puck, track the puck, work with the goalie coach, let him get back to being Tuca Rask. That is, they need him to be Tuca Rask. If they're relying on Allmark and Swayman in the playoffs to win a Stanley Cup, not good. But if they have Rask firing in all cylinders, I like the Bruins' chances. I really do. Anything else? All right, Trevor Gillies passed away. Hall of Famer, New York Islanders legend, played for the Buffalo Sabres for a cup of coffee, passed away. I played with his nephew, Colton Gillies. So I never really knew Trevor Gillies, never saw him, but 
Sad, sad, sad. Never good when someone passes away. So, uh, yeah, prayers go out to his family, him. Hopefully he's in a better spot right now. All right, Tim, points bet. Send us off yes. with the win. Yeah, and I'm going to go with another game. See so if you can keep his win streak going. The Nashville Predators are playing all on the road against the Seattle Kraken, and it's not a huge, huge underdog. Like, you know, the Pittsburgh is playing um, Arizona, and they're minus 460 to win. I think this game is 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 not quite as much, but close to as much as a, a as a big swing match for them. And Nashville is only minus one sixty five as opposed to four sixty. So oh. I like I like those odds. I'll take them. I think it's a, it's some good odds and obvious. I think they're going to win. So Nashville Predators minus one sixty five. Love Done, me some in. Philippe. Love me some Philippe Forsberg this year. I'm going to say it too. Yeah, I, I watched one of their games the other day. Like they're good, and Roman Yossi is an absolute stallion. Like this is a good team that I I think I I. I looked over a few weeks ago. I'm taking that back. They're a good team. He's a stallion hooked up to a wagon. Whatever. If, if that's a double double good, then I'm on it. But Philippe Forsberg resurrected his career. Kind of dumpy the last couple of seasons, but he's got 20 goals, 32 games. Good for him. I like that pick. Tim Seattle is in trouble. All right, everybody. What You're not in trouble because you got to listen to this episode. We'll see you on Thursday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.